tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Keep playing. Keep working. Keep going. And keep moving with the exceptional orthopedic care at Baptist Health. With an experienced team and a full line of advanced services and procedures, it's no wonder most people choose Baptist to help them keep on keeping on. Visit baptisthealth.com ortho to find a Baptist Health provider. Big pick set out on top, but the ball is loose. And now they get it to see that it's going to be Louisville in front. I shook up the world. In BCS Bowl terms, you guys shook up the world. Hey, I'm the king of the world. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Hold it, you're not that pretty. I'm a bad man. I shook up the world. Fly, fly. First and third, two out. The 2-2 from Iggy. Swing and a miss. The cards are headed to Omaha. Welcome into another edition of Louisville Sports Live, the city's longest running all UofL sports talk show right here on 93.9 Neville. Taylor Lynch, Zach Attack, Zach Cantrell hanging out with you guys tonight. Ethan Moore will be along uh, a little bit later. We're going to do the show a little bit differently tonight. So I will have you, myself and Zach will have you for hour one of the show. And then Ethan and Zach will have you for hour two of the show. Ethan and I both have some other things going on tonight. So we're going to kind of, you know, relay race uh this lsl tonight so i will tag him in uh at halftime and then he will come out uh once he gets the proper tights on uh in the second <laughs> half of the show and uh he will carry uh he will carry you guys on we are on with you all seven to nine tonight uh, a little thursday night edition of lsl so lots of things for us to get into tonight obviously there was a basketball game last night um, I may just let Ethan talk to you guys about that. Uh, in All the I hear half is it's my show because I'm hosting both ours. <laughs> that's that's what I hear. I mean, it's your show and we're just co-hosting with you. You are. Um, You're just here. I, I talked enough uh, basketball this morning uh, at 12 o'clock. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty much good on basketball. Uh, but if you guys want to get into it, of course, we can get into it. 8150 is the number. 3831-939 is the text line. If you guys want to hit us up that way, you can do that as well. But we have a really big football game to get into and discuss this weekend. The Cards and the Seminoles in Charlotte for the ACC Championship game. So we will, of course, get to that as well. Zach, my man, how's it going? How you feeling? Oh, it's pretty good, man. I mean, we got a big football game this week. I'm anxious to talk about that. I don't really need to talk much more about <laughs> basketball because, I mean, that we don't want to depress people here. So we got the biggest football game, arguably, in Louisville history. Is that a stretch? I don't I, think it is. 
I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I mean, Louisville's had some big games. Um, the Sugar Bowl against Florida was a massive game. Uh, the Orange Bowl against Wake Forest was a big game, not because of the opponent so much as it was it was Louisville getting to a BCS game. And, of course, everybody remembers uh, the Fiesta Bowl against Alabama, Jeff Brom, the quarterback, and, and what Louisville was able to do there and kind of put their name on the map um, with a win over an Alabama team. And, and Louisville kind of has an opportunity again this weekend on Saturday night to really – kind of put their name on the map to kind of tell people that they're for real, to wash away some of the the sins of last week and that game against Kentucky, which we will talk about uh, tonight and all the things that didn't go right for Louisville in that game. But they have an opportunity this weekend at 8 o'clock against Florida State to exercise some of those demons, to, to, to wash that bad taste out of their mouth. You just said get, their name, by the way. You said the team up the road. I you know. said their name. So that's, that's one. That goes in the swear jar. I know it does. I know it does. But but Louisville's got an opportunity. They got a really good opportunity to to exercise those demons, to get past that uh that loss to the team up the road. There you go. Uh and to and to do something they've never done before and to play spoiler, which is always fun to do. Um Louisville's got an opportunity to get an eleventh win. They have an opportunity to win the ACC, which is something that they have not done since they joined the league back in 2014 and played their first season. There's a lot of, of firsts and what ifs and really fun scenarios that I don't know how the rest of card nation feels and you can call in and, and let me know, but it was Tuesday afternoon this week before I kind of was able to get over what happened on Saturday at LNN. Yeah, and you could tell Brom wasn't necessarily over it either. They kept talking mm -hmm. about that game. Like, look, Flor Florida State's a big game. The ACC championship is a big thing. But the fact of the matter is, no matter how this Saturday goes, they do have to live for another 364, 365 days, and they get to hear all their friendly neighbors from the team up the road that they are not the best team in the state. That, that has to stay with you. It doesn't go away until you have the next opportunity to play them. But I do think it's good that they get the opportunity to kind of play a top five team, play the spoiler alert, get to go to the orange bowl. Like those are things that I, I don't know if house money is the right term because you look at where they are right now. Nobody expected this in year one. I kind of think they're somewhat playing with house money. Do you? It feels that way. It really does. And I think that it would feel even more like playing with house money. If you were 11 and one. I think you'd feel a little bit more like, you know what, let's throw caution to the wind because we've already done we've already done something really good by beating the rivals. So you would feel like, okay, we're going to come in here. We're going to play loose. We're going to play free. We're going to play with house money. We've already got our 11th win. We know we're going to the Orange Bowl. And you, and you still, theoretically, I mean, you still know that you're going to the Orange Bowl. You win or you lose. In all likelihood, yes. In all likelihood, you're still going to the Orange Bowl. You're going to stay... Uh, most likely ranked higher than NC State, um, which is the only thing that you're really watching uh, after this game. But yes, I mean it, it's still it's still that opportunity uh, to 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 get there, and and you still have something bigger to play for. But yeah, I mean this game Saturday was rough, and Saturday sticks. It's gonna stick with you. It's gonna stick with Jeff Brom and, uh, for for quite a while. But you hope. Your hope as a Louisville fan is that this team can compartmentalize that, that they can put that game out of their minds and get focused 
for a game against a team in Florida State that, with the exception of last season, the last several times these two teams have played, Louisville has gotten the better of Florida State. And they've always been close games. Going back yes. to 2014, Like every Louisville-Florida State game, for the most part, has either been competitive or Louisville has won those games. So they have a favorable matchup here. And Jeff Brom, the one thing we know about Jeff Brom, he gets his team up for big games. They beat top yes. five teams. So you have the ultimate opportunity to play spoiler here. I don't doubt that they'll be up for this game. Even after losing last week, I don't think that's going to matter that much. They're going to be up for this game. There's no question about it. It's just a matter of can they execute against Florida State. And I know everybody's down on them now without Jordan Travis, but, I mean, they still got other guys. There's a reason Florida State's still a top-five team. They still have a pretty good defense, still got pretty good receivers. Uh, the running game's been consistent. I, I don't think this is just a scrub team all of a sudden because they don't have Jordan Travis. So Jeff Brom will have these guys ready to go. I do not think that if they lose this game, I do not think it's going to be because of the residue of playing the team up the road last week. No, I don't think so either. And and I feel like that was a concern. That was a concern of mine coming into the game of, or coming into the week of, you know, if it's sticking with me this bad, and then you, you listen to Jeff Brom, and even when he's talking about Florida State, he's he keeps going back to wanting to have that game back. And I'm thinking, oof. You know, I really hope I really hope that this is not sticking with them that way, that they're able to focus on Florida State. But you've seen some things on social media and you've seen some things from from players on this team. And it, and it feels like they are moving on and they are laser focused on Florida State and, and they need to be. I mean, this is a this is a Florida State team that, yeah, you mentioned it. They don't have Jordan Travis anymore, but they still have Tate Rodmaker. And he came in the game last year when Louisville was up and they had taken Jordan Travis out of the game he had gotten hit he had gotten injured he came out of the game and Roadmaker came in and he led Florida State on two touchdown drives to give them a win on the road here against Louisville so Louisville has seen him before defensively they know what he is they know what he can do but he isn't Jordan Travis and that is the difference in this game. You you hope as a Louisville fan that that is the that is the glaring difference in this game, because I, I do definitely think Travis not being out there evens the playing field a little bit. But Florida State still has dudes on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they have guys that are going to just flat get after you defensively, and Louisville's gonna have to. They're going to have to bow up on the offensive line. They're going to have to play really well. I thought offensively, they played well last week. You don't turn the ball over twice. And if you don't turn the ball over twice, then Louisville wins that game against a team up the road. It's it's plain and simple to me. I mean, yeah, they had some, some busts, and, and obviously uh, defensively they weren't locked in. But you still did enough that if you don't turn the ball over twice on offense, you win that game. So... You can't have those types of mistakes in this game this week. I mean, the defense has got to play better than what we've seen the last three weeks from them. Yeah, that's my big concern is the last two weeks they've given up a combined 69 not-so-nice points. I mean, they've, yeah. they've really struggled on that side of the ball, and it's you know the lack of pass rush, the secondary hasn't been all that good. You, you could just look at everything. There's nothing that you can look at and say, oh, well, they did their job. Like It's been a defense that's really struggled. Of course, you give up the kickoff return touchdown last week, but you gave up so many big plays, and that's something that they just did not do 
all season long, really after the Georgia Tech game. So I do have concerns about how are Louisville's corners going to hold up against Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson, the, the great receivers that Florida State has. And those guys are big. Those are large receivers, 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, those are guys that are going to be throwing jump balls in the red zone. I do wonder if Louisville's corners are going to be able to hold up against those guys. Ron Inglis is going to have to devise something up this week. I, we need to see the Louisville defense that we saw against Virginia, that we saw against Duke, the aggressive pass rush that got to the quarterback. Make Tate Rudemaker nervous. And you, you can't let him just sit in the pocket because he's a Division One quarterback for a reason. He can throw the ball. He's very effective. So you've got to get a consistent pass rush on him. If we don't hear Ashton Gelati's name throughout the telecast, if Joe Tessitore isn't talking about him throughout the game, Louisville's not going to be in a pretty good position to win this game. They need Ashton Gelati to step up in a big-time way. Oh, absolutely. Especially when you look on the other side of the ball for Florida State defensively, and you've got Jared Verse. And, and what he's going to want to do to this Louisville offense is is just wreak havoc on this Louisville offense. And you need somebody on your defensive side that can do the exact same thing, that can bring pressure, that can get after Runmaker, that can get in his face, uh, that can make him uncomfortable. Um, and I really think that, that Louisville needs to get back to doing that because they were doing it so well for the majority of the season and they got after uh Devin Leary a couple of times last week and they were able to sack him and they were able to get to him but it wasn't the same type of pressure that we have seen early in the season it uh, wasn't that we've consistent seen in the last couple of games no it wasn't and, and that was something that that I asked Jeff Brom at the end of the game I I asked him you know how do you get more consistent pressure because you got to Leary a couple of times but you just weren't able to get him down and I mean, Jeff really didn't have a perfect answer for it, and I didn't necessarily expect him to, but he was like, we've just got to do better, plain and simple. Like, as, as a coaching staff, we've got to do a better job of getting guys in the right position to make plays, and we haven't been doing a good job of that the last couple of weeks. So you hope that, that Ron English and, and the staff kind of gets back to the things that they do well and the things that they were doing really well at the beginning of the season. If they can do that, I think you're going to be able to make some plays defensively against Florida State, and I think you're going to be able to get to Roadmaker. Now, Johnny Wilson, Louisville has nobody that's going to match up with Johnny Wilson. No, no, they don't have a and, corner of that size no, to be able to match up. No, the dude's 6'7", 237 pounds. Louisville does not have a guy on this roster. Who does? That exactly, exactly. It's not even like it's a unique to Louisville thing. It's like a six, seven, two hundred thirty-seven pound wide receivers don't grow on trees, and not everybody has one. So not everybody's gonna have a corner that's gonna be able to match up with them. But you're gonna have to to bracket coverage. You're going to he's going to get his, but Johnny Wilson can't be the reason that Florida State wins this game. No, I think the big thing in this game is to make Florida State one-dimensional. I think you got to stop the running game. That's where it starts. Yeah. I think Trey Benson cannot be a factor in this game. If you make Rudemaker throw the ball 40 times a game, eventually I think he's going to make a couple of mistakes. You saw last week against Florida. He was not all that impressive. So I think you got to figure out a way to make him throw the ball 40 times. Do not allow Trey Benson to get going because if they can run the football, that makes Tate Rudemaker's job a lot easier. Louisville's been good for the most part this year against the run. Last couple weeks, they've not been so good against the run. Mark Fletcher of Miami lit him up, and Ray Davis had a big game last week. So they've got to do a much better job stopping the running game, make, them, make Florida State one-dimensional. And, you know, you mentioned the last week and Ray Davis. Louisville did a good job 
in the run in run defense last week, with the exception of the one big play that Ray Davis had. Other than that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, it it it, it only matters. You know, it matters what the final score says. But before his big run, he was he had negative yards rushing. Louisville did a good job on Ray Davis for the majority of that game. They need to do that again this week because you're right. Trey Benson is a guy that you give him an inch, he's taking a mile, and he's gonna just he he's going to get into the open field, and it's and it's lights out. Bye bye, see ya. So Louisville has to do a good job on that. I, I'm 100% with you. They have got to try to make – they got to put all the pressure on Tate Roadmaker to make plays. That's what Louisville's defense needs to do. And if he chucks it up to Johnny Wilson and, you know, Johnny Wilson's getting open, then you're going to have to double. You're going to have to do something else to not allow him to be the one guy that just beats you over the head every single play but then you've got king on coleman too yeah that's the problem with double so what are you gonna do yeah you can't really double johnny wilson when and leave keon coleman one-on-one because he'll kill you too right so what do you who do you put on do you put quincy riley on johnny wilson or do you put him on keon coleman i'm personally putting him on coleman because i think keon coleman is one of the three or four best receivers in college football i think he's the guy that's the bigger matchup problem than johnny wilson i know johnny wilson's six foot seven but keon coleman's been more productive yeah, no, you're. That's that's a really good point. I just worry about the body. I just, I mean, Louisville has struggled. Save that for the mix save. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, Louisville has struggled against big physical wide receivers, and I just wonder what they're going to be able to do against Johnny Wilson. <coughs> I mean, that is that's an area of concern for me. But if you're able to neutralize, or at least the best that you can control Trey Benson and put all the pressure on Tate to throw the ball and to make plays, he's going to make a mistake at some point, and Louisville needs to be able to capitalize on that. That was the thing that they didn't do really well last week. They had opportunities to get interceptions, and they had the one big one there at the end of the game, which allowed them to go and tie it again. But you've got to capitalize on those more, and you cannot turn the football over this week. That is the biggest thing. If Louisville has two turnovers in this game against Florida State they are not winning if they have two turnovers or more against Florida State they're losing this game by multiple possessions this game Mm -hmm. will not be competitive if Louisville turns the ball over Jack Plummer has to be on his a game for them to have any sort of shot we need to see Miami fourth quarter Jack Plummer Virginia fourth quarter Jack Plummer and we cannot see the first three quarters of the Virginia game Jack Plummer if Louisville's gonna have a chance to win this game that that 100% correct I mean we need we need good Jack Plummer in this game, we don't need bad Jack Plummer. Uh, in this game, we need Jack Plummer with the mustache. Uh, in this one, uh, we don't need Jack Plummer uh, when he shaved the mustache. And and I don't know what the hell happened in the second half uh, against Indiana, but we don't need that Jack Plummer <laughs> either. We need. You mentioned it. We need the Jack Plummer that we got in the fourth quarter, the last couple of weeks, because he's been exactly what you needed him to be. Even in the loss, and he turned the football over, and you know he made mistakes, but he did the things that you needed him to do to give Louisville a chance in that game, to keep it competitive uh, in that game. So that is the Jack Plummer that you need. Like, look, I like Louisville's chances this weekend. I really do. I like 
I like their chances to come out here and pull the upset because I think that, one, we've seen Louisville respond coming after a loss. I mean, they responded. They had the bye week after uh, the Pittsburgh game, and they came out and they blanked a top 20 Duke team uh, at home. Yeah, they They, gave up three points the next two games they played. Exactly. So give me Louisville with a chip on their shoulder coming off of a loss. Uh, I think they're coming out with something to prove this week. And I think they're trying to to remind everybody who this team is and who this team was for the majority of the season, that last game not in, not included. So I think they're going to come out with something to prove. I think they're going to come out and play with their hair on fire, and they're going to have to. Um, if, if they're going to have a legit opportunity to, to win this game and to cause, quite frankly, bedlam um, and, <laughs> and just absolute anarchy within the college football playoff uh, picture because – I mean, if Louisville beats Florida State, then that knocks Florida State out. And then what happens with the rest of the conference championship games? I mean, we have an opportunity, Zach, for just complete pandemonium uh, this weekend and a very difficult decision uh, for the CFP committee. Yeah, every Texas Alabama fan and just about everybody else who's in the mix, they are all big Louisville fans this week as far as trying to knock Florida State out. I think Louisville's going to come out and play with their hair on fire. You're right. And they've got a chance... I, I don't know, like we mentioned earlier, house money, but they're in a situation where they really don't have anything to lose. I mean, Florida no. State is the team playing with incredible pressure. Florida or uh, Louisville was picked eighth in the preseason in the ACC, so nobody expect them to be here. I expect them to let their hair out. I expect Jeff Brom to dial up a couple trick plays. We've seen him do this at Purdue oh, yeah. when they played top five teams. We've talked about all year that they really haven't had to do that. They haven't had to sprinkle out the trick plays. I think you're going to see a couple in this game. I think you're going to see any fourth and short. Jeff Brom's going to go for it. I think you might even see a couple of fakes here and there. I think you're going to see the aggressive version of Brom, and I think you're going to see the Brom that we got with Purdue when he knocked off three top five teams. We know big game Brom is going to be ready to go. I think Louisville is going to play relaxed, I guess, might not be the right word, but I don't think they're going to play as tight as they did last week. I think they're going to come out. I think they're going to be more aggressive. I think they're going to be in a position where all the pressure's on Florida State. Let it all hang out. We'll see, see where the chips fall where they may, but you know, Flor- I, this is going to be a fourth quarter game. Louisville, we know mm-hmm. one thing for sure. Every Louisville game seems to come down <laughs> in the fourth quarter. God. Yeah, it, it does, and and I think you're, you're right there about Louisville looked tight last week, and that's the that's the best way that I can describe them. They looked tight. They looked like – there there were people saying, oh, well, Kentucky wanted it more. or the Sorry, the team of the road wanted it more. Um, I don't necessarily believe that. I don't think they wanted it more. I don't think they were more prepared than Louisville was. I just think that it's the exact same scenario for this game this week except Louisville is in the opposite position. That's exactly right. Once that game got close, Kentucky, yeah, team up the road. There we go, swear jar. Um, <laughs> team up the road, they just, that's a team that has beaten Louisville four in a row. It just seemed like they knew exactly what they were doing. They yep. expected to be there. It's like, okay, we've done this before. We'll do it again. And I think Louisville got nervous. After the kickoff return, 
you saw a completely different Louisville team. And I think now the shoe's on the other foot with Florida State. They are coming into this game with all the pressure in the world. If you lose this game, you're not going to the playoff. You win this game, you're going to the playoff. I don't. All the people want to say Florida State has to dominate. No. Florida State wins this game by one point, they're going to the playoff. They know that. So the mm-hmm. pressure is squarely on them, and I think you're going to see a looser version of Louisville this week. I think you will, too. I think you'll see kind of the game plan that Jeff Brom used against Miami. And I, and I say that because Jeff was in his bag, as the kids say, uh, when it comes to the offensive play calling in that Miami game. I mean, he literally did and threw everything he could at Miami and said, figure it out. I dare you. Figure it out. I'm going to do this, this. I'm going to throw a touchdown pass to an offensive lineman. Then I'm going to have a third-string quarterback running in for a touchdown. uh, And I want to see you stop it. And, oh, by the way, I'm going to use every tight end on my roster uh, to catch passes. So get you some of that. I think you're going to see that. I wanted to see that last week against uh, the team up the road. And we didn't see it because I think – Jeff has said this before, and he said it, I think, at the beginning of the season, or he may have said it after the Pittsburgh loss. I I can't remember, but he said there are times that he knows as a coach that he lets his emotions get the best of him sometimes on the sidelines, and he loses his mind, and he it, it affects him and and his play calling at least for a little while before he gets himself back under control, and I. I think you saw that last week a little bit, you know, when, when, gosh, when, when they ran that touchdown back, that kickoff back for a touchdown, I'm pretty sure that Jeff could have literally ripped the stadium down with his bare hands um, because he was so pissed off about that. And that probably affected him. It probably affected his play calling. It probably affected the guys, uh, on, on the on the bench, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, and it takes a lot to kind of get yourself composed when you when you have all that pressure, and maybe Louisville can do the same thing to Florida State this weekend. Maybe Louisville can have one of those big game busts where where they just you know Florida State is gets lost in the sauce defensively, and next thing you know, Louisville's got uh, you know Coleman or. Uh, Jamari Thrash or or somebody just running wide open down the middle of the field for a touchdown, and it just causes Mike Norvell to lose his mind because the pressure is so real on Florida State, and it's not on Louisville because, again, you and I mentioned it a little while ago. Louisville's probably going to the Orange Bowl whether they win this game or they lose this exactly. game. Exactly, yep. So you already know what's going to happen Come out here and just and see if you can add another trophy case or another trophy to the trophy case. See if you can become the ACC champion. I think that that matters to this team. I think that that matters to this staff. I think that is a crucial building block to where Louisville football is headed. If you can get that type of a win in year one, if you can win the league in year one, and I don't care what anybody says to me about the league and about the fact that Louisville didn't play North Carolina and Louisville didn't play Clemson and Louisville didn't play uh, Florida State in the regular season, and I, I, I don't care. I don't care. Louisville went on the road and beat a 9-3 and NC State team. 
Uh, Louisville got a win on the road against Miami. Louisville has some quality wins. Look at how many teams the ACC is sending to bowl games this season. It's damn near the entire conference is going to a bowl game. So I don't need to hear about Louisville's schedule. Louisville's schedule was not as bad as we thought it was going to be, but it also in some spots was not as good as we thought it to be. But all Louisville did was come out and play the schedule and they're 10 and two and they're playing for a conference championship with an opportunity to be 11 and two and be conference champs and go into the orange bowl and hopefully beat Zach's Ohio state Buckeyes. No, no, no. And, no. and I will be happy because I won't care that Ohio state's playing with their third string quarterback yeah, because none, everybody else has, of us has care about opted out. Game, it, doesn't it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I don't care. Yeah, you, you know, of course. Um, but no, I, I I'm with you. I think the fascinating aspect of this is you know how big that would be in year one for Jeff Brom to win an ACC championship Absolutely. and to be able to sell that to future recruits. Like the, all you got to do, you come here. We're going to compete for ACC championships. You don't have to go to Florida State. You don't have to go to Clemson. You don't have to go to Miami in order to win the ACC. You can just come here down the road to Louisville, and you got an opportunity to win a conference championship. This would be one of the biggest wins in the history of Louisville football. That's not an exaggeration because, no. I mean, they had a Big East title in 06, but, and they won. Was it still the Big East in 2012? Yeah, I think it was still the Big East. Yeah. Yes, it was the Big East Yeah, it was the, the American was the next year. But yep. So – this would go up there with the Florida Sugar Bowl. This would go up there with, you know, the Wake Forest Orange Bowl. This would go up there with all the biggest wins in Louisville history because you have an opportunity to play Florida State. You have an opportunity to play Ohio State in all likelihood over the next two games. We're going to get to find out where this program ranks nationally because you beat Florida State and Ohio State. People can make all the excuses they want. That is still a major statement if Louisville is able to do that. The one concern I do have about Louisville I do not want to hear anything about the special teams. We talked about the kicking game, which has been yes. a problem. Kickoff return touchdown last week. If the special teams is making headlines, it's like offensive linemen and refs. The only time we ever talk about special teams is when they screw up. Do not have the special teams be a big factor this week. That cannot happen. Because if it is a big factor, the game probably isn't going to go Louisville's way. Because Florida State has the advantage on special teams with their return game. Their kicker's more experienced. Do not let special teams be the reason why you do not win the ACC. No, you're absolutely right. And I think as far as if we're ranking this game, if Louisville's able to get this win, I think this is the biggest win in program history for the simple reason that this win gives you a championship. And yes, Louisville has bowl wins and Louisville has uh, bowl championships, but Louisville doesn't have... Uh, it, it's It's been a while, I should say, since Louisville had a conference championship and it's been a while since it's it's never happened that louisville has had a conference championship in the power five so i think that this this feels like a bigger win if louisville's able to get it because it gives you that conference championship yeah something yeah. that they have not had which is some, uh, yeah it being in the acc which is a power five league it's more respected than the big east ever was back in mm -hmm. the day so to be able to win the acc and i know people and say oh they didn't make the playoffs so what does it mean it's still a big deal to win a power five conference like let's not downplay it in any way i know jordan travis isn't out there and people will point to that as why louisville won the acc but i mean the fact of the matter is florida state is a top five team not just because of jordan travis they're pretty good in a lot of departments. So if Louisville's able to beat that team, it doesn't have to come with the asterisk, the asterisk that Jordan Travis didn't play, or it shouldn't. Like 
unless it's unless Tate Rudemaker goes out and throws five interceptions and he's, and he's just terrible and mm-hmm. it was obvious that if Jordan Travis played they would have won this game if Tate Rudemaker is decent and Louisville wins I don't want to hear oh the only reason they won this game is because Jordan Travis didn't play no injuries are a part of football that's just the way it works no you're absolutely right so uh quickly let's your your uh, college football playoff top 25 uh, came out on Tuesday. We will get another ranking on Sunday uh, after the conference championship games are over with, and then that will determine the bowl matchups, the playoff matchups, all of that. So right now, as it stands, Georgia number one, Michigan number two, Washington number three, Florida State number four, Oregon, Ohio State, Texas, and Alabama round out your top eight. Uh, Missouri and Penn State nine and ten in the rankings. So let's let's uh, let's come up with this scenario here. Georgia loses to Alabama in the SEC championship game. Michigan handles their business against Iowa. Did you bet the over under on the half point? By the way, what'd you bet? <laughs> I did not. I did not. I didn't. I'm not touching that. No, because Iowa can that. have a defensive touchdown, or you know, Michigan fumbles the ball and they end up with a field goal or something. Yes. You don't cover. So, Oregon beats Washington in the Pac-12 championship, and Louisville beats Florida State in the ACC championship. What in the world do you do with these rankings? Okay, so Michigan is definitely in. Michigan's a lock, and Uh, they would probably be the one seed at that point. Oregon would be in. Yep. Beating Washington. Um, Texas would then be in, assuming Texas beats Oklahoma State, right? Okay. Yeah, so Texas has to go in ahead of Alabama because why are we playing these games if we're just going to put Alabama in over Texas because Texas beat them by 10 in Tuscaloosa. Uh, And then in that case, I think Alabama would end up number four. Yeah, I I think it's actually kind of simple. Michigan, Oregon, Texas, Alabama. I think that would be a pretty clean top four. That is – I think you're right, but the the idea of leaving Georgia out of the playoff for as well as they've played this season and as dominant as they've been at times this season, to leave them out for losing the SEC championship game to Alabama, I get it, and I think it's the right move, Michigan, Oregon, Texas, and and Bama, but man. Well, if Texas loses, then I think you put Georgia in along with Alabama, but you cannot have it where Georgia gets in over Alabama if Alabama beats Georgia. And as I right. mentioned, you cannot have it where Alabama gets in over Texas because Texas beat them. Like the games head to head have to matter. It ha- you're you're absolutely right. And it has to matter. That would be man, there would be some gnashing of the teeth in Athens, Georgia. I mean, and it wouldn't be an undeserving thing either because they've won 29 straight games and it's mm-hmm. hard to penalize them for losing to Alabama in the SEC championship game when we all know Alabama's really good. But that's that's where we're at. Like you, if you're not a conference champ, and you have the opportunity to put four Power Five conference champions in the playoff that have one loss or fewer, yeah, y- you put them in. I think you have to do it. Like the last two years, the only reason Georgia got in in 21 and Ohio State got in in 22 is because there weren't four Power Five conference champs that had one loss or fewer. And in this mm-hmm. instance, there would be. Do so. So tell me this: Do we need to break here? Or are we good to go through the whole hour? Let's you go. tell me what you want We're to do. We're going. 
We're going. All right, yeah. we're rolling through that. We need the yeah. twelve team playoff right now. That's oh, what. Oh man, well, can you imagine if we had the twelve team playoff this year? Like Louisville, this this is already a big game to begin with. But imagine we're talking about this week. Louisville wins this game. They're in the playoff. No questions asked. They're yeah. hosting a playoff game because the top four seeds are Power Five conference champs. So Louisville could end up hosting a playoff game if the right things happen. That would be the scenario we would be talking about this week Gosh. if we had the 12-team playoff. And people want to tell me that the 12-team playoff isn't good for college football. Get oh, out dude, of here. No. The 12-team playoff will be the best thing to happen to college football in Amazing. a very long time. Because, I mean, even as it stands right now, here's your, your top 12 is Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Florida State, Oregon, Ohio State, Texas, Alabama, Missouri, Penn State, Mississippi, Oklahoma. Yeah. I mean, that's a hell of a playoff. There are usually, there are about four or five teams that have a real chance to win a national title. I think this year, if we had a 12-team playoff, that number would be about eight. I think there are a lot of teams that if they got the right matchups or caught fire, that could win a national championship. And the playoff would be a hell of a lot more interesting than what we're going to end up with. I agree, because I, I think one through eight of the current rankings could win the national championship. I'm just going to say this. If Georgia beats Alabama, Georgia's winning a third straight national title. There is oh, nobody yeah. Yeah. other than Alabama that can beat them. I thought there were three teams that had a real shot. Alabama, Ohio State, Oregon. I think Oregon could still do it. Dan Lanning, of course, the former Georgia assistant. Mm-hmm. But if it's Georgia, Michigan, Washington, and Florida State, for instance, like if, if Chalk holds, Georgia's walking to another national title. It's not close. There are two teams right now, uh, if I'm a coach of any of these playoff contenders, there are two teams that I desperately do not want to see right now, and that's Oregon and Alabama. Yes. Yeah, yeah those, those, those would be the two. Yes. Yeah, those are the two teams that I, if I'm Georgia, if I'm Kirby Smart, obviously I have to play Alabama this weekend, but, man, if, if I'm Michigan or if I'm Florida State, I do not want to see Oregon, and I do not want to see Alabama in the playoff. No. Oregon is really good on both sides of the ball. Bo Nix is the most experienced quarterback in the history of college football. That mm-hmm. defense is good. I do not want any part of Oregon. Now, I think they're favored by 9.5 against Washington. I think that might be a little bit high. I think Washington's going to make it a close game. Remember, they beat them earlier in the year. But yep. I do think Oregon is more built to compete with Georgia than Washington is. Is there a path for your Buckeyes or no? Oh, boy. Yeah, I've thought about this. Um, Louisville beating Florida State. There's one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oklahoma State beats Texas. Georgia yep. beats Alabama. <sighs> I think that's all. Michigan? No, because then neither Michigan or Ohio State wins a Big Ten, and then in that case you'd have to pick Michigan. Um, no, I, I think it's pretty simple. If Louisville beats Florida State, Oklahoma State beats Texas, and – Georgia beats Alabama. I think they would have a shot. Now, I'm not banking on all of those things happening. Mm-hmm. I'm not even thinking about it. But if those three things happen, then, yeah, I think they would have a realistic shot at the fourth seed. So it would be Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Ohio State. Yeah, Pac-12 winner. Either Oregon or Washington, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that would be a probably a better playoff. Because Ohio State is uniquely built to match up with Georgia. More so than Michigan. Even if Ohio State's not built all that well against Michigan right now, Ohio State's more <laughs> built to beat Georgia 
than Michigan is because Michigan and Georgia play a similar style of football. It's just Georgia has more talent. That's true. That's very true. Um, all right, 8150-939 is the number if you guys want to get in touch with us. 3831-939 is the UPS job sex line. If you want to text Zach, uh, he can hit you up. You are listening to Louisville Sports Live, the city's longest-running all-UFL sports talk show. Taylor Lynch, Zach Cantrell, hanging out with you guys. Ethan Moore will be along and have you for our number two of the show. Uh, so it is that time of the season, Zach, and we will talk more uh, the ACC championship game as we go on. And we will also talk some basketball as well at some point, but it's that time of the year. And it's my favorite time of the year where we are starting to get the college coaching carousel is rolling here. And you want to talk it, about your boy Petrina? Oh my gosh, dude. I When I saw that, I thought it was even, being punked. Immediately, I thought, yeah, I thought I was being punked. I'm like, there's no, there is no freaking way that Bobby Petrino is getting another shot, especially at Arkansas. I mean, if you told me that he was getting hired at like Houston because they have an opening right now, or if you told me he was getting hired at, you know, any of these other places, I would have been like, you know, okay, possibly. But Bobby Petrino getting rehired at Arkansas, the the place that fired him for cause thanks to the morality clause in his contract and then had to have presidential approval to bring him back is beyond crazy to me. Yeah, that's... Uh... That that's not great, and the president had to sign off on it. So yes, it's all on him. Like, does he not remember how the experiment ended the first <laughs> time? Like the the illegal stuff that happened, and yes, the hiring before the process was complete. Like they're supposed to wait what thirty days or something, mm-hmm. and he hired Jessica Durrell in like fifteen days or something along those lines. And so they they actually got sued after that so it's not like an ethical thing it's an illegal part where they're getting sued so the idea that he's coaching there again it just blows my mind and i guess it brings back the uh what are we doing the halloween costume next year are we doing the neck brace again yeah we're gonna i thought about riding up here in a motorcycle in tribute to bobby (laughs) petrino (laughs) pour one out for bobby pour one out for bobby but Um, i mean where else so He's gotten hired twice by Louisville. He's gotten hired yep. twice by Arkansas. Does that mean the Atlanta Falcons are going to pick him up for a second time? <laughs> that would complete the uh, the trifecta. He would he, <laughs> he really would get uh, he would get picked up by Atlanta. Uh, oh, and uh, yeah, that would just be the, the icing on the cake. Look, there. he's so, a great play caller. Let's just get that out of the way. But absolutely, he might be the biggest dirtbag that's ever coached college football, and that's saying a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so of these coaching hires. That we've seen so far. Which one jumps out the most to you? Well, the Petrino one obviously stands out. Uh, Mike Elko at AM. I think Mike Elko is a very good coach. Uh, what he did at Duke to have back, or he had a nine win season last year and an eight win season this year. And to do that at Duke, which obviously isn't known for football, is pretty impressive. And Texas AM, of course, getting jilted by uh, Stoops on Sunday. That was, I, I can't wait for the oral Oof. history of that to come out. I, I know. I'm interested to see how that. I want to see that. Doors. Um, 
Did you see Elko swaying like with doing the Aggie? It's weird, man. It, it's a cult down there in it's college. Weird. It's so weird. But I think Mike Elko is actually going to have success there. I just wonder if the fan base will actually give him a chance because you pay a coach $77 million to go away. You're expecting a big-time home run higher, and as good of a coach as Mike Elko is, you, you can't live up to, you know, we're replacing a coach that won a national title and we gave him $77 million to go away. So I think that's probably the one that stands out is can Elko actually go down to Texas A&M and make them what they can be? Because I think it's the biggest sleeping giant program in college football if they hire the right coach. And we'll see if Mike Elko actually ends up being the right coach. The one that I love is the one that happened today. Indiana doesn't normally do anything right. But they paid Tom think, Allen twenty million dollars to go away. How great exactly. is that? Exactly. I think they knocked it out of the park today with getting Kurt Signetti to leave James Madison after being there for six seasons and doing what he's done there and having the success that he's had there to get him to leave James Madison and come to IU. I think is a huge hire for Indiana, and I really think that he is going to have some success there. But I also think exactly what you said with Mike Elko and, and, and will they be patient in Aggieland with him? I think they're going to have to be patient um, at least initially with her, with Kurt Signetti at Indiana. I think it's going to take him. I don't think they're going to be competing for big 10 titles next season um, or ever or, or yeah, I mean, or ever, Look, but Indiana think- has to realize what they are. Indiana. Yeah. That is one of the hardest coaching jobs in all of college football. Like I would, my dad always said, put Nick Saban or Urban Meyer at Indiana and make him, them coach at Indiana, and we'll see how good of a coach they really are. Because mm-hmm. I mean, that is that is a gauntlet there, and it's only going to get worse because you got Washington, Oregon, USC, and UCLA coming in. So the Big Ten is just loaded, and Indiana is the mid- ultimate middle of the pack program. It's just. It's never going to. It's not going to be easy for him to have success in Indiana. What well, if you win what eight games at Indiana? That's like statue material. Yeah, you're not. You're not wrong there. I I think that they're going to be able to have some success, and I think that he's going to make them respectable. But it's going to take some time. I mean, it's not going to be something that's going to happen overnight by any means. Um, but I do think that he is the guy for the job, and I think that if anybody's going to do it, he is going to be able to do it. And I like that they didn't try to go make the big flashy. Like they were talking John Gruden, possibly for that job. I'm like, come on. I'll get, tell you what, man. I'll tell you what, man. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. I don't think I'm thinking the, the Hoosiers. Job, man. The Hoosiers. Man. Yeah. We, we, you know what? We're gonna run the whole game. Spider two wide banana, man. <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah, that would have been that would have been an absolute clown show. Yeah, because John Gruden doesn't want to coach in the NFL, so he's gonna go take the job at Indiana. Come on! I mean, why not? I love. By the way, I do love fan fiction. I love all of this. Like this guy's actually gonna come here and take this job. Like get get real. Like, but I I do love that people fantasize about. John Gruden or fantasize about this big name is going to come take our middling program and save us. Like college football fans, college basketball fans, just fans in general, they're the most optimistic people when it comes to coaching searches. When it comes oh, yeah. to on field product, they're not the most optimistic people. But when it comes to coaching, people just they go over the moon like, oh, yeah, any coach would want this job, right? Yeah, anybody who's anybody is going to want to take this job. Well, eh. 
Uh, I mean, no, it is sorry, Vanderbilt. Not everybody wants your job. Sorry, Indiana. Not everybody wants to coach the Hoosiers. Like, that, just have some self-awareness. What okay. do you make of Oregon State's head coach? Yeah. Well, new head coach being promoted uh, from defensive coordinator to head coach and then not coaching the team in the bowl game. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, I would think he would coach the bowl game just to kind of get that out of the way to have the experience with his players. And right. I, 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 I don't get it. Like, what's the point of just having an interim coach just be a ultimate lame duck, coach a bowl game, and it means nothing at the end of the day? Like, Treat this as the beginning of next season. Bowl games outside of the playoff now are glorified spring practice. Let's just call mm-hmm. it what it is. So yeah, why not have the actual guy that's going to run spring practice and run everything going forward, why not have him coach the bowl game? Because it's the start of next season. It makes no sense to me. Yeah, it, it feels really weird to me. And like the whole... And I guess he said, like, what was it that he said? He wanted to focus on recruiting and and getting ready for next season. I'm like, dude, this is your opportunity to get ready for next season. Like, right here. Like, next season starts now. Exactly. This is your opportunity as a as a head coach, a first time head coach, to to get these extra days of practice and to to get this opportunity to kind of figure out how you want to be as a head coach. And I feel like I'm like, dude, like this is a this is a big opportunity for you, and you're just wasting the opportunity uh, by deciding that you don't want to coach your team in the bowl game. So that that was weird, uh, weird to me. Do we and, think uh, Brom gets ACC Coach of the Year regardless of outcome? Because I definitely think if they oh, win, no, 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 he no, no, gets. No, it. no, you you missed that. They already gave it. They gave it today Did to they? Mike Norvell. Oh, why? Okay, that's another thing Which that is doesn't ridiculous. make sense. Why not wait till the game's played? How about yeah. if you know? Whoever wins the game wins ACC Coach of the Year. Fine. But why not wait until then? And look, Florida State was expected to be 11-1 and or 12-0. and mm-hmm. People thought they were going to be pretty good. So, yes, Mike Norvell did a great job, and he deserves some accolades, and he deserves recognition for the job he did this year. But most of us thought that Jeff Brom this year was going to be 8-4, and four, perhaps 9-3, and three, and he's got his team in the ACC championship game. you got to take degree of difficulty into account when you're awarding this stuff, but people just like to look at the coach with the undefeated record and just give it to that guy, regardless of what happens everywhere else. It's exactly what it was. I mean, it was a lazy... Uh, it was a lazy selection by the ACC to to make Mike Norvell uh, the ACC Coach of the Year. I mean, yes, what he's done at Florida State is impressive. Uh, his total body of work at Florida State is impressive from taking them from where they were with the, the coaches that they ran through and, and nobody seemed to be able to get it done. And, and even when he first got there, I mean, it was rough. And they were ready to run him out after the first season. And he stuck with it and he got them to be competitive. And now they're knocking on the door with an opportunity to go to the playoff. It is impressive. But what Jeff Brom did in year one, year one to come in and win 10 games and the way that they're winning games and the multiple ways that they're having to win games and, and what he's getting out of, some of his best players, what he's getting out of Jawar Jordan, the fact that he brought in Isaac Garendo, and and he's been a revelation. Uh, He brings in Jamari Thrash. Like, the way that he put this roster together and got them all to gel and play well together, that, to me, is Coach of the Year material. Yeah, if that's not Coach of the Year material, I don't know what is. Exactly. 
So yeah, that that's ridiculous uh, to not make him the ACC coach of the year. It's 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 lazy in my opinion. I'd have and, no problem uh, giving it to Norvell if they beat Louisville Saturday. It's just the idea that we're not waiting till that game is played. It's the thing I have against MVPs when it comes to other sports. Like we award the MVP based on the regular season. We don't take into account the most important games of the season. Tell me how that makes sense. No, you're exactly right. You're 100% correct. But Louisville did have a bunch of guys uh, named to the all-ACC teams uh, this season. And I, I think, you know, it was a it was a who's who. Uh, it was the guys that you would have expected for Louisville. So you're all-ACC first team, uh, since we're talking about uh, postseason accolades. Uh, Jawar Jordan, All-ACC first team. Uh, Brian Hudson, All-ACC first team as well. Uh, Ashton Gelati, All-ACC first team. You go to the second team, and Louisville's got Jamari Thrash, All-ACC second team. Uh, let's see. Nobody on the defense all was All-ACC second team. But then you get into the third team, Jack Plummer. Uh, Jordan as an all-purpose player, which I didn't even know that was something they could do. Uh, Michael Gonzalez on there as well. And then uh, defensively, Devin Neal uh, makes the list. And this one was the one that kind of was surprising to me. When you get into some of the honorable mention guys. Uh, Eric Miller, Willie Tyler for Louisville. And then this one, which I, I saw this and I'm like, how is this dude honorable mention? TJ Quinn, Cam Kelly, Jarvis Brownlee, which I get Jarvis because he was injured and he didn't get to play the whole season. But but to have those guys, and, and Quincy Riley, that's the one that to me was like, you got to be kidding me. Quincy Riley, honorable mention. You can't put him second team, third team. You could argue that he probably should have been, at worst, second team All ACC, but all Quincy Riley gets is an honorable mention. You got to be kidding me. So funny. Yeah, I, yeah, I think uh, they got represented pretty well as far as the ACC was concerned. Obviously, I mean, George Jordan, I, I think could have been first team All ACC. I think Riley obviously got undervalued as far as the defensive backs concerned yeah. he, he was probably the best corner in the ACC this year how he didn't make it on the first or second team makes no sense whatsoever to me but as we've established the ACC and everybody else who makes these decisions uh they apparently don't watch the games or they don't know what they're talking about so I, I try not to wrap myself up too much into these rankings or wrap myself too much into the all ACC selections or whatever because the people that are voting on them like to vote on narrative rather than mm -hmm. facts. Absolutely. Absolutely. So a reminder, the uh, our coverage here on Saturday for the ACC championship game will start at 4 o'clock in the afternoon with myself and Mark Blankenbaker. Mark will be there in Charlotte. Uh, I will be here at the Liquor Barn Studios. So we will start at 4 o'clock. We will take you all the way up until – Network coverage starts, uh, and then of course we will have the broadcast right here on 93.9 The Ville with Paul Rogers and Jody Dim or, and Jody Dimling and Craig Swalbrack, uh, Swalback. So it will be 
If you're riding around, if you're not in front of the TV, we will have you right here on 93.9 The Ville. And uh, you will be able to tune in and listen to the cards taking on Florida State in the ACC championship game. Doesn't that feel good to say, by the way? Man, it feels so good. And I feel like everybody kind of thought that this was maybe like a dark horse, like possibility. Yeah. In in their in their wildest dreams, everyone was like, well, you know, maybe maybe Louisville if they're if they're nine and three, maybe that's good enough. Or or you know, maybe if if some things break right and some teams lose to some other teams, Louisville can find their way into the ACC championship game. But Louisville didn't just find their way; Louisville went back into the ACC championship game. Louisville won their way yeah. into the ACC championship game. Oh, none of this is fluky by any means. No. And everybody. W- wants to put the schedule thing out there, you beat who you play. Like exactly. you, you can only beat the teams that are on your schedule, and they went out and took care of business outside of the pit game, like, as far as ACC play is concerned. Like, they got there, they won their way there, and you've got an opportunity now in a neutral field to go up against Florida State, and you're feeling a hell of a lot better than you probably did about this game a couple weeks ago. The line was 6.5 on Sunday. It's all the way down to 2.5. What do you make of that? I think a lot of the experts are picking Louisville to win this game. But the thing is, I don't know if they're doing it because they actually have confidence in Louisville as much as they just don't believe in Tate Rudemaker. I think that's ultimately what it is. I think if Jordan Travis were healthy, Florida State would be probably a seven or eight point favorite in this game. They And most people would probably be picking them to win. So, I mean, I, I don't know. It's It's interesting. I think people believe in Louisville. Certainly, but I think let people believe less in Tate Rudemaker than they believe in Louisville, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. No, you're right, and it, and it doesn't help that through three quarters of that game against a mid-Florida team, Florida State did not look especially dominant in that one. So that probably has a lot to do with it uh, as well. I mean, Rudemaker in that one was 12 of 25 for 134 yards and didn't throw a touchdown pass. Uh, Benson carried the load for Florida State in that game against Florida. Uh, He carried the ball 19 times for 95 yards. And that's probably part of it. If, If I had to guess, was just the way that Florida State looked having to scrap and claw uh, to try and win that game against Florida. And that could be part of the reason why uh, teams are kind of looking at this game and going, well, I don't know. I wonder if Louisville would be favored had they beaten the team up the road. I have thought about that. Hmm. They might I think be. it would be it, – it may be a pick em. I don't think Louisville would be favored, but I think it might be a pick em. Yeah. I, I don't think people believe in Florida State after the way they looked against Florida for three quarters. They did not mm-hmm. look very good last week, so. No. No, they didn't. So hopefully they do. Can we carry get that, that version this week. Yeah, which Rudemaker do we get? Do we get the one that didn't show up against Florida for three quarters, or do we get the one that came off the bench last year and beat Louisville? Because yeah. I mean, Louisville has some scar tissue from Tate Rudemaker. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, they do. All right, let's do this. Let's take a break. That's gonna do it for for me, and that's gonna do it for hour number one of LSL. When we come back, Ethan Moore gonna be sitting in the chair. Kicking it with Zach, giving you hour number two of the show. I'm sure if you want to talk basketball, Ethan will be more than happy uh, to talk basketball with you guys. But we wanted to give you your fill of football um, here in hour number one. So we're going to take a break. More LSL 
when we come back. Keep it locked right here, 93.9 The Ville. Welcome into hour number two of Louisville Sports Live, the city's longest-running all-UFL sports talk show right here on 93.9 The Ville. I am uh, got tagged in by my partner in crime, Taylor Lynch, Zach Cantrell, of course, still behind the glass, helping us through this evening. It's, it's the beauty of technology, and, you know, when you have stuff come up and we both can't make it at the same time, generally we always can, but sometimes you can't. Um, we're able to uh, come to you guys remotely, and uh, we're certainly appreciative of Zach to help us out as well. Football heavy, football centric, and hour number one. Uh, we'll get back to um, the biggest game. It is now, Zach. Before we go to basketball, would you classify the ACC championship as regular season? Since it's not bowl season, but it's kind of postseason. Because I, would, I would, if you do, yeah, this is the biggest game in the history of Louisville football in the regular season. Yeah, I've always classified conference championship week as part of the regular season because it's not bowl season. So I, I, I agree with you. I think this is the biggest regular season game in Louisville history. I mean, what would compare? I guess the West Virginia game in '06. Uh, I mean. Florida State, maybe Florida State, in 16. And, yeah, but that didn't result in the championship. This would obviously yeah. result in the championship. So. I don't think it's a stretch to say this is the biggest Louisville regular season game perhaps ever because they've never been in this spot. I mean, you get a chance to win a Power 5 league. How often have they ever had that opportunity? The Big yeah, e- exactly. It's more respected than the Big East was in 06 and 2012 as much as those conference championships were great. Winning this game and not only winning the ACC title but knocking Florida State out, that holds long-term significance for a lot of people. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, man. And I agree with your point. Um, you're you're going to have, you know, one loss teams, you know, with their, their fans eyes are going to be glued to this outside of and think about this outside of the SEC championship, the ACC championship, for that reason you mentioned, could be the second largest draw in terms of conference championship games. If you think think about that from a ratings perspective, the Pac-12 is going to be pretty big because you got that's a yeah. win and end game because it's two top five teams. Oregon's getting in if they win that game, but I really think it's going to improve as far as how big of a deal it is if Texas wins or if Alabama wins. You know, then they're going to have to pay attention because one of those teams is going to need Florida State to lose. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And so, um, you know, certainly uh, they're going to be rooting on UofL to do just that. Uh, I did check the spread. It is down now to a point and a half, um, depending on which book that you're that you're looking at. But it opened at four and a half. Uh, and so now, I mean, it's almost to pick them when you really think about it. Um, and we, we again, talked about this. Do, do you think Louisville would be favored if they had won last week? I think they might be. Or at least it would yeah. be a pick right now. Yeah, I mean, certainly without Travis, yeah. Um, yeah, because, you know, Louisville would still have all of that momentum going in. And, man, I know you guys talked about that, but it, I know Taylor mentioned it took till Tuesday. That was about the same for me. Um, somebody that likes to fire off, you know, takes on Twitter as well. I had to take a hiatus, man. Like, I didn't. I put my phone down. Well, I slammed my phone down in the car on the way home. 
Um, just so disappointed that the Cards couldn't find a way to beat their arch rival, uh, you know, especially at home. It's not too much to ask. Um, this has been a fantastic special season, but um, you know, to make, to make no mistake, uh, losing that game uh, to the team up the road certainly um, tarnished some of the season. Now, having said that, you beat number four Florida State on Saturday. And I would think, by and large, most people would have forgotten about that because you're locking up an Orange Bowl bid uh, against um, number six, Ohio State. So, you know, sign me up for that. Um, as disappointing as that game was Saturday and disheartening and just, man, just, uh, you know, I won't rehash the takes of the week. They're, they're spot on. You know, look at the statistics, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, the most important thing. Uh, is the scoreboard, and Louisville fell short. Those two, I'm, I agree with Taylor as well, those two fumbles cost Louisville even given the kickoff return that had an egregious hold missed, but that didn't cause Louisville to lose the game. No, because they went down and um, scored the very next trip. It was still 24-14, to 14, so the kickoff yeah. return, not that it's irrelevant, but it got mitigated because Louisville went down and scored. That game was still theirs for the taking after the kickoff return yep. happened. It really was, and again, it's just so disappointing, man, so disheartening. That they didn't find a way to win, but again, you you know you, you beat Florida State, uh, you cause mass chaos in the college football playoff while securing a bid up to the Orange Bowl and getting your 11th win of the season. I mean, <laughs> there hasn't been many seasons like that uh, as well. And you know, again, uh, I'm I'm certainly with Carnation. I think Jeff Brom should have been the ACC Coach of the Year when you are picked eighth in your conference and finished second. That is a hell of a job, and that is worthy of the ACC Coach of the Year. Of course, Mike Norvell, he has had a hell of a run as well. Undefeated, number four. Uh, win and you're in in the playoffs, uh, you know, as well. But still, they were picked to finish first. Most prognostications had them finishing undefeated because they were going to be a playoff team. And so, while Florida State has had a fantastic season as well, if you look – at where Louisville was and where Florida State was in the preseason to where both teams finished, you know, Louisville has a plus, you know, plus gain of six spots where Florida State's holding steady. Yeah, it was number one to number one. But if you go from eight to second, that should be, in my opinion, worthy of Coach Brom winning the ACC Coach of the Year. But I'm sure, um, you know, he probably doesn't. He's probably more worried about the ACC championship and a potential Orange Bowl berth. Uh, before he would be worried about the ACC Coach of the Year. But, oh, yeah, there's no doubt about that. And I think they're going to play a lot looser this week than they played last week. I think there were times that they were tight because they hadn't won that game in forever, so maybe it got in their heads. I don't think that's going to be the case this week because Florida State is playing with a lot more pressure. But our big thing oh, was – Oh, man. Why were, Can you imagine? Yeah. Why were we wait? Why, why not wait until the biggest ACC game of the season to award all ACC honors and Coach of the Year? It doesn't, doesn't make a whole lot because, of sense. Oh, because, yeah, there's, you know, that's common sense, Zach. I mean, just use some common sense and yeah. that would be like, yeah. especially when you know that the first two or, or the only two coaches for that award will literally be facing off. Yeah, why, why don't you play what? for it, you know? Yeah, three days prior. And I know historically that's not the case. The <laughs> ACC, you know, announces the coach of the year and they're all ACC teams before the ACC championship. But, I mean, again, this year, Norvell and Brom were the only two options for this award and you know again 
talk about winner take all for the college football playoff, winner take all for ACC Coach of the Year. But alas, uh, they've already made their decision, and hopefully too, you know, if the Cards can beat the Knolls, then you know, Coach Brown will have the last laugh. Eighty-one fifty ninety-three nine is the number if you want to get at us. Uh, Loyal Lawrence, we'll start things off in hour number two of LSL. What's up, boss? What's up, Ethan? I like Man, to address something real quick. Look, I want this Louisville basketball team to win games. I just because I complained after the after after the game yesterday, even though they won about about the way things was was it in that game. That's me being as a fan. That's me being a diehard fan. I've been I've been I've been down for this team ever since the day I was born. That's I'm right. going to be down for this team till the day I, I die. I care about this program. I care about everything that happened to the program. I care about these players. And it don't matter who the head coach is. I'm going to still complain about the head coach. Even even when Lawton McClain had a radio show, I, I was complaining about the head coach. And even when Crum Bettino was head coach, I was still complaining. When I lose. So yeah, yeah. I mean, Lawrence. So, but you're talking again. We're gonna we're gonna continue the common sense theme. That's common sense. Yes, we can still be critical of the program and of the coaches and of the players and still have the cards be our ride or die squad. That is a well My said, shit, Lawrence. Like, and I'm glad that you I'm glad that you mentioned that. You're spot on. Ethan, my standard still has not changed this season. Make the tournament. If not, you're out. Yeah. It's that simple. Right now, you got four wins. Remember how long it took you last year to get four wins? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. And right now, yeah. you have a, a point. Who actually have a decent point guard? It's been a, what, a good minute since Luba has a decent point guard on this in this program? Cause Felt right like now, it, yeah. This point guard is the main reason you win these games. Because if you didn't have him that point guard, you probably will have no wins right now. Don't you agree, Ethan? Well, I think you we you would have beaten Coppin State regardless. But no, I mean, I, you don't beat UMBC. You don't beat Bellarmine. And you don't beat New Mexico State without Tyler Johnson. Because I'm at a point right now, Ethan, where I know Tyler Johnson is playing. I feel good about who the chances of winning the game right now. I know. I know. If if they win, if they win Sunday against Virginia Tech, it's another ugly game. I'm gonna be happy that they won, but I am gonna still talk about it. talk about why 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 did it take y'all long to get together? Why why yes. y'all struggling? Everything. I'm still gonna talk about that no matter what. I'm happy yeah. that I'm happy that KP is going out there and winning some games. We're above. They're above 500. But I still have strong standards for KP in this in this program and this team. <laughs> if y'all if y'all don't like the fact that I talk about that on Twitter and I talk about it on radio, you don't have to listen to me. If well, what's, I mean, I mean you make on my, finish your thought. Say, what were you saying? You and Taylor do a good good job during the post game. You let the fans talk how they feel. And you you let you let everybody talk how they feel, and people complaining about how y'all y'all not really supporting the team. 
Ethan, you grew up a diehard Louis fan. Taylor, Taylor did too. You know everything mm-hmm. about this program. You bleed this program. Mm-hmm. So I don't care if y'all don't like the post. If y'all don't like current Ethan, I say on post game, y'all have to listen, but y'all still do. So that means stop getting on, trying to um, email, get um, Josh Hurd telling them that the post game is doing bad about the program. Come on, y'all. That, that, that child is right there. It is. It is, Lawrence. Man, I appreciate I appreciate the kind words, and as always, I appreciate your phone call, man. Yeah, it's something that I know you know, I do, and Taylor does as well, and if you listen to the New Mexico State postgame show, we had several callers that were critical of those being critical of the program at KP, and I'm going to welcome all opinions on this topic while upholding the standards of Louisville basketball. And listen, there's just like just like with anything, there's going to be occasions, there's going to be topics where you can just say we're going to agree to disagree. You're not going to be able to, you know, to to talk to the, you know, to the other side to to get them to feel how you feel and that's okay. And like Lawrence was saying earlier, you know, even if they beat Virginia Tech, and it's an ugly game. He would call in and voice his displeasure about, you know, while they won. But that's what fans do, and that is okay. But going back to, um, you know, Louisville basketball standards, um, Lawrence has the same expectation that I do for this season, and that is make the NCAA tournament or bust. And generally, historically speaking, with Louisville basketball, just making the tournament is not good enough. I'm saying, based on the recent evidence that we've seen with this program, that making the tournament, while not traditionally um, would would warrant a successful season, however, the recent occurrences within the program, I think making the field of 68 would, would signify a successful year. Yeah, you got to start somewhere. You, yeah, and then building to the second weekend. Um, and it, and if people, you know, and I get it on on Twitter, and but I'm all about having those debates. I'm all about having those discussions and sometimes arguments, because regardless, we all want the same thing, and that is for Louisville basketball to be successful, to get back to their rightful perch among the nation's elite year in and year out. Um, and if you just want to view Louisville beating New Mexico State um, as a win, and that is it. The same thing with Bellarmine. Um, without both schools, without their best player leading score, that's your prerogative. And I'm not going to dismiss those people that think like that or dismiss those fans that want that want to just look at that those victories through that single prism. That's fine. I'm not going to do that, but I'm also going to welcome other opinions on that. My main my main phrase that I've said on LSL and the post game shows is we trust our eyes. We are no we know what we're watching. I sent out a tweet last night watching the first half of the game. You know, and I've watched and Zach, I'm sure you have as well, several ACC SEC challenge games. And if you're honest with yourself, you watch that, and then you've watched Louisville this season. It is a night and day different product from 
those games to how Louisville's played. Yes, I understand they they've matched the win total of last year. And how many of you at work today got that little head pat from your team up the road fans? I got that Zach several times. Oh, you've already matched yeah. your win oh, total yeah. this year. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like that is why I'm still not happy with where we are with the basketball program. Look, you watch we the shouldn't even be talking about. Like, you watch the like North that. Carolina Tennessee game, which was going on at the same time as the Louisville Bellarmine game. It was like two different sports. Watching North yes. Carolina of Tennessee, I forget what the final score was, but I know at one point it was 84-74. I think North Carolina ended up scoring 90-something, and they won. But that's the baseline. That's what Louisville used to be. I mean, Louisville yeah. used to be the team that was scoring 80, 90 points, playing in these big ACC, SEC, or ACC Big Ten in the past challenge games. I mean, what was it at this time a couple years ago? They were playing Michigan when they were the number one team in the country. It's one of the most raucous atmospheres in the history of the KFC Yum Center. That should be the expectation for this program. They should be playing in these kind of games, and they're further and further away from that with every passing year. Like, Bellarmine's not in the SEC, guys. I'm sorry. They're just, they're not in the SEC. The fact is, the ACC-SEC challenge happened this week, and Louisville was not a part of it. If that isn't an indictment on your program, I don't know what is. Uh, and and that's again that's part of the evidence that we have been that we've been witnessing we've been a part of, and that you trust your own eyes as Louisville fans, Louisville basketball fans especially, are collectively a very intelligent fan base. Like we know what good, elite, solid basketball looks like, and while you do have pieces in place, and I've said this numerous times, Tyler Johnson is a baller. Sky Clark has had a great season. Trey White has had a good season. Those guys have shown themselves to be scorers and playmakers, all three. Mike James last year, he's on a little he's on, he's in a little slump right now, but last year he was a guy that's a slasher, can get to the rim, can get to the foul line, plays hard, battles as a good leader. You can have that. But at the same time say we should not be 4 and 3. You should not be struggling to beat these teams that you've struggled to beat. And the fact that if you're getting blowback from from being still frustrated and upset at the poor product, even in wins, shows you psychologically you might not even realize it. But, like, you're lowering your standards for Louisville basketball if you're more upset at the people complaining about the product than the product itself. Yeah, that was basically the theme of the post game on Sunday is that we just had people lowering their standards, and I don't understand it. Like, we all know what Louisville basketball can be. We know it can be a national title contender. It can be a Final Four contender. It can be a great program. That should be the baseline expectation. And making the NCAA tournament should be treated the way that it is in college football where making a bowl game is, like, the bare minimum. You're not supposed to celebrate making a bowl game. That's just supposed to be part of your goal as opposed to everything going on forward. Like, the NCAA tournament should not be cause for celebration. It should be, yeah, of course we're in the NCAA tournament. Now let's do something once we get in the tournament. And for people to lower their expectations, I think is crazy. And people blaming the fans for, you know, only 5,000 people showed up. I think that's insane. I I, I don't know. I, the, the fan base is divided. There's no question about it. But we all want the same thing, obviously. It's just I yeah. don't know why people go to the lengths they do to defend 
everything going on with this program. You can be a fan and be critical. You don't have to, you know, not everything is perfect about your team. And if it's not perfect, then you're not a fan. That's not how this should work. And, and, and it, it's not working that way. Like, yeah, I'm with you, man. And it shouldn't. And if you listen to LSL over the years, at one point, I was like, if Patino doesn't, if Patino loses in the third round of the first round again for the third straight year, he should be out. I was fully, you know, and I look silly saying it because then they rallied for the 2012 Final Four, the 13 National Championship, um, the 2014 Sweet 16, and then 2015 Elite Eight. Oh, is this after uh, the Moorhead State game in 11? Uh-huh, yeah. And, oh, so, yeah. and remember Louisville, they had a really bad year in 2010. They got blown out by Cal in the yeah. first round. Yep. They were like an eight. It was an eight, nine game. I they think. lost in 09 as the number one overall seed with Terrence Williams. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they went to the elite eight in 08 and then 09. Um, but then they kind of had that low well, in 10 and 11. They lost in the first round. And then um, they lost to South Florida on senior night going into the 2012 Big East tournament. And it was just like, here we go again. I'm like, well, what's, you know, why are we continuing to lose in the first round of the tournament? But then, you know, looking back on that, Coach Patino and the program rallied. And then we're like, all right, it's game time again. But that's just, that's just you know, again, I want to make sure that the that, that fans understand too. When Chris Mack quit, I was calling for him to be fired. I remember there was a game, Zach, it was the pit game. It was probably about a month before. And on the postgame show, it, it, we got, it was just, I mean, they weren't, they were going through the motions. They were playing. It was pit. I don't know what the score was. It was, it was ended up being a blowout loss and pit was super mid. And I remember I started the postgame show that night saying, get the buyout money ready. I'm done with this. And this was this was this was Chris Mack. Right, right. The guy uh, took him know, to a number one ranking, and you know, in twenty twenty, they would have been a yeah, top three the, seed had the tournament happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this was like this was the two two years after that because you know in the COVID season they were just thirteen and seven. They were the first team out of the tournament. That was a fa- and I said it then that was a failure of a season because you missed the tournament. And I'm saying the same stuff here now, but I'm not, I'm not, you know, I will respectfully disagree if somebody wants to try to defend what they've seen so far. I will acknowledge that the team is better than last year. I've said that numerous times. I will acknowledge that there is more talent on the roster. I've said that numerous times. But, like, we, you have to understand that, like, with, if you're struggling to beat UMBC and you're struggling to beat New Mexico State, and Bellerman, that is a problem. Coach Payne himself says, I want to be able to pass the eye test. Well, against Texas you did. But then at the same time, you haven't in every other game. So what's the outlier? Is it the six other games or is it the Texas game? To date so far, that is the Texas game. Lawrence brought up, Zach, the Virginia Tech game. If the cards... And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think they will. If the Cards get a win in Blacksburg, that will be KP's first road win, and it would be a very good win. I think as it stands right now, potentially since it's on the road, maybe a quad two win right now in the Kempom. But I want to, um, and I won't do this until after the show, but I want to look at Kempom. Because right now, going into the Bellarmine game, Zach, do you have any idea what the strength of schedule is for Louisville? Whew. 
Uh, wow. Um, how many? There's three hundred six. I'm gonna say 63. like Um, I'm gonna say like one hundred seventy-five or something like that. Uh, add a hundred and twenty-five to it. Three hundred. Oh. oh wow! Is yeah. Louisville's strength of schedule now? That, that I don't know if that held steady or it rose at all after the Bellarmine game. But heading into Bellarmine, the strength of schedule, according to Ken Palm. Was three hundred. Oh, they had a graphic. I, I forgot to talk about this earlier. They had a graphic on the ESPN, the, the ACC Network Plus broadcast. It said Louisville notable non-conference games: Texas, of course, Indiana, yeah, Bellarmine, Arkansas State. Arkansas State. If those yes, are notable that. non-conference games, that is a problem. Yeah. yeah. Come on. What are and, we? And what so, are we doing? Yeah, and, and I like to, um, especially ahead of uh, post game shows, I like to watch as much, um, as much film, as many games as I can of Louisville opponents. And and Zach, I will admit, I watched two games of New Mexico State in these Thanksgiving tournaments, and I was like, okay, Louisville, Louisville is not currently a bunch of world beaters, but. Based on what I've seen from New Mexico State, being at home, Louisville should handle that easily. Then word came out that their leading scorer and rebounder couldn't play, and you're like, okay, all right, this is okay. All right, no problem here. But then you saw what you saw. That is a direct reflection of the coaching staff not doing what they need to be doing. And I've heard people talk about playing up to the level of their competition. Well, that's not great coaching either because level of competition should not make a difference as far as how hard you play, how – you know, intense you are, the fact that you're locked in. Uh, Texer said, you guys will never be happy regardless of if Louisville wins or not until KP is gone. And I don't think that's accurate. Nobody's rooting actively for Kenny Payne to fail. They're just pointing out that Kenny Payne's record is not all that good. The team is better, but it's not NCAA tournament level right now. I I just, I reject this whole notion that people are just actively rooting for Kenny Payne to fail. I don't think that's the case. I just think they want Louisville to win. And they have to point out that Kenny Payne has not been successful right now. What am I supposed to say? And so yeah, and I'm and I'm glad that that um, that you read that text and the texture um, texted in. I appreciate them listening. Um, but but that is that's part of my point. Um, and I've said this too. If if Louisville goes to the tournament, like the vast majority of the fan base will be back on board because that that would take, you know. Um, a string of games, multiple games, beating good opponents, having road wins, that would prove to me and to others out there that so far at 8-31, and 31, you don't have a whole lot of confidence going forward. And so that you know, I, I would disagree with that text. If Louisville makes the field of 68 this year, then that is showing me progress. Like, I'm not going to listen to culture building. I'm not going to listen to growth. We need to see something substantial. And if you were 5-2 and two, and the five wins were against those mid-majors that you should have wins against by, like, double digits, 20-point plus, then you're like, okay, because you have seen numerous – um, data points from those games that lead you to believe that, okay, things are getting better. So not a one-point win by UMBC, not scraping by and be- beating New Mexico State in overtime without their best <coughs> score and rebounder, and not scraping by Bellerman without their best player either. That is not 
showing me a lot of improvement. If a couple just free throws go alone. differently, they're one in five. Like, let's just call it for what it is. The yeah. texter said, all I'm hearing is complaints, no balance material. Like, I, I don't, I don't believe that either. I think we're just telling it as it is. I, Look, we pointed out that Tyler Johnson's really good. We pointed out the talent on this team is much better yeah. than it was a year ago. I don't think anybody yeah. can deny that. I mean, yeah. watching the play is obviously much better than it was last year. So, what what do you are you supposed to put lipstick on a pig? Like, are we just supposed to say how great they are? I don't think we. And, and, and so, Texer said also think, said KP isn't seven and thirty one. Josh Hurd is seven and thirty one. He hired him. Like, okay, both of those things are true. He hired him, but yeah. Kenny Payne's also yeah. the coach. It goes. It's yeah. simpatico. It goes together. So yeah, and and yeah, to 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 that Texas point, yes. Um, you know, Hurt is the AD, so he is responsible for the hire, and that is why that there's so much pressure on KP to produce this year. And so you know, again, he can't get the benefit of the doubt coming off the heels of the worst season in 82 years. And it, let me say that again: the worst season in the last 82 years. And that is going to stick with him going into this season when you see some of the same things. Now, are they nearly as bad as last year? Absolutely not. No. Because of the talent infusion. You didn't have a Tyler Johnson on the team last year. You didn't have a Sky Clark. You didn't have a Trey White. You didn't have uh, Mike James having other offensive weapons at his disposal outside of L. Ellis. So you do have better pieces. No doubt. Yeah. But, but Hunley Hatfield is still inconsistent. Dennis Evans isn't ready. So, I mean, you have some things like that that I still feel like, yes, if it feels like it's overly negative. Remember, though, if Louisville basketball is just four and three, traditional standards, that's not good enough. If the team up the road was four and three, the fans wouldn't be happy. If Duke, UNC, et cetera, we're four and three. The fans wouldn't be happy. Yeah, hang time. I'll get John and that's not me just saying that. That's not a handful of fans. Look at the attendance at the Yum Center. I said that on the po- I said that on the post game, you know, on Sunday. That speaks louder than anything else. Now, what can you do to change that narrative? What can you do to train to change that trend? Win ball games. That's it. Beat Virginia. Beat Virginia Tech. Not, not coming up close, not playing hard, not giving up, because we're not going to give out plaudits for that anymore. Like I said, you want to do that for the first couple games this year after last season, cool. We're not doing that anymore. you got to win. Look, Remember, KP's paid $3.35 million a year to win games, not come close, not play hard, and not, not give up. It's one thing if you're four and three against a gauntlet of a non-conference schedule, like yes. what you're going to have next year in Atlantis, or you know if you're doing what Tom Izzo does up at Michigan State and you're scheduling Duke and you're scheduling North Carolina, you're scheduling all these good teams and they're four and three, but they look good in some of those games. Fine, like if they had a big tough non-conference schedule and they played similar games like they did against Texas, fine. But you can't sell me four and three when they lose to Chattanooga, barely beat UMBC, barely beat New Mexico State. Barely beat Bellarmine. These are games that we should not be really having long conversations about. This should be 20, 25-point wins, and you move on to the next game. That If Louisville mm-hmm. basketball is where they think they should be, these games should be non-factors. So I saw a quote, and we'll get to Jake here in one second. I saw a quote um, attributed to Coach Patino years ago. I don't know the exact year. But we had beaten UNC Wilmington 
by 11. And he was, he basically said, I'm going to paraphrase, he was basically saying, um, this was a disgraceful performance. The team will pay the price tomorrow morning in practice. We're not being Louisville men. Remit, don't forget that. That is my impassioned plea um, to, to fans who feel like we're being overly negative. That is what it means for Louisville basketball. Winning by 11 against an inferior opponent is not good enough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to penalize the team in practice because they didn't play well enough. That is where my expectation still is. So if you're scraping by, um, you know, bum teams like New Mexico State, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to just say, well, they want. No, if you watch the game and you see the style of play, the quality of play, then you, you can't be satisfied and you can't be happy. And listen, I'm, I, we'll just agree to disagree. If you feel like just, you know, if you want to promote simply just the win, okay, that, okay. We'll agree to disagree. This texter had a good one. He said, we just want to see good basketball, winning basketball, that will give us hope for a tournament run. That's all we want is to watch good basketball. This is not good basketball, even with the win. That texter sums it up perfectly as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. 8150-939 is the number. Jake is up next on LSL. Hey, Jake. Hey, guys. Thank you for taking my call. Can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. All right, uh, guys, we're we're like minded. We you know we've we've talked several times throughout this season, this basketball season, and uh, I, I'm I, I'm getting I'm getting really frustrated with all you know all the points you all are making, and that text that you just read off really sums sums it up, you know, and uh, just just a little little history. I was in the fourth grade when Rick Pitino was hired, and I can remember my dad riding around in the car together and just would randomly scream at the top of his lungs of how excited he was because he knew that good yeah. basketball was coming. And for and that, that's, that's pretty much the year that I became a fan. I was in the fourth grade. And for 20 years, we won at a high level. Were there up years? Yes. Were there down years? Yes. But making the tournament, was pretty much a foregone conclusion. It wasn't if we were going to make the tournament. It was how far we were going to go. It wasn't if we were going to beat UMBC or New Mexico State at the beginning of the year. It was by how much and how good were we going to look and how good were we going to look in March. We don't have that, that luxury anymore. I, I've, as much as I would hope that this team's going to get, get it together and make a Turn tournament run or make a make improvements to get into the conversation in March. I have no evidence to support that that's going to happen. There's 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 people that are rah rah U of L, and then there are fans, people who live and die with this program. The people who listen to LSL religiously every week, people that listen to the drive every single day. The care. This is this is this is how I spend my time. This is how I spend my money. And the people that want to say, "Well, why don't you go out and spend your money and go to the go to the game and support the team?" Because it's not entertaining. It's frustrating. Is this team better than they were last year? Yeah, but that's not a very high bar, guys. No, I just not at all. I just want to see them. I just want to see improvement. There, there are people who are close to me that are. Diehard Louisville fans like me that that don't care anymore. They don't want to watch. 
They don't. They they their their hearts are broken, and I'm getting that way too. Thank God we've got football. Thank God we've got football. And I don't know how much more of this I can take. But I really love listening to you guys, and uh, thank you for all you do with the post games and the LSL every every week. Uh, take care. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate the appreciate the kind words. Appreciate you listening as always, and appreciate your feedback. Thanks, Jake. Appreciate um, it, boss. Yeah. So what Jake said too, and, and and I don't think he was over the top with it. And he said the word heartbreak. Yeah. And that goes to the heart and the soul of the matter with this Louisville basketball program. And you have families in this city that have, you know, thousands upon thousands of families in this city, that it's a generational thing Mm -hmm. where, you know, I was raised, obviously, a Louisville fan. You know, my buddies were raised Louisville fans. Um, And their, you know, their their parents were Louisville fans, so their dad, their grandpa, etc., and you know we've had we've had people mention this before, and it, it rings true. And it's the sad and the heartbreaking thing for me is you now are going on a decade, more or less, as we just celebrated the 10-year anniversary of the 2013 national championships. More or less, probably after 2015, where you're losing a young generation of fans. My daughter, my oldest daughter, is 11. Well, she doesn't obviously remember the 2013 National Championship or the the Elite Eights and Sweet Sixteens or whatever. But, like, last year, Zach, I kid you not, she she would watch, she would see me, and she was 10, she would see me watching the games, and she would, like, she'd look at the score, oh, Louisville lost again. Oh, the Cardinal Birds aren't winning. And it's just like, and it hurts because it's like, you want to be like, come here, like, like I did with my with my kids, and they're not huge football fans, but I did with my girls. Um, you know, they wanted to go to a football game this year, so we took them, and they were paying attention, and you know, they don't know the ins and outs of the game, but like, they were being, like Jake said, entertained. Yeah. And so, and then then they're like, well, what's Louisville ranked in football this week? You know what I mean? So, right. I'll say that. Oh, are we ranked in basketball? No. You know, stuff like that, and it's just like. It's heartbreaking because that's where the program is right now. It just doesn't not... feel important. That's the the problem. Like these games don't feel massive. They don't feel like anything. It's just it's almost like a chore at this point. Every football game this year has felt important because it's like an have, event. It's it's an event. Like the Notre Dame game was an event. The Duke game was an event. The team up the road game, even though it didn't go the way Wolf wanted. Yeah. That was an event. Like when Saturday is the last time? Saturday in Charlotte. Yeah, that's an event. event. When was the last time a Louisville basketball game was an event that you absolutely had to pay attention to? And you're right. Like generations of fans are going to be lost because kids are impressionable. Kids pay attention to if the team's winning or not, and they're more likely to be a fan of a team that's winning than not. Let's just be honest. To, an- to answer your question, it was when Louisville was ranked number one in December of 2019, and they beat Michigan. Yeah. In a whiteout game at the Yum Center, that was the last time that was an event. Well, then they um, beat Duke had, in 2020, like they in did, February. They, they, yep, they beat Duke in, in Durham. Yeah, um, and that was like that. That was fantastic. Um, and then you had kind of the awkward COVID, the, the awkward COVID season. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing too. And, and, and the same thing that I'm saying for for KP this year, I said for Coach Mack in year one, make the tournament. 
And Louisville ended up being a seven seed. They got busted by Minnesota. It was an ugly game. Mm-hmm. But at a minimum, they won 20 games, and they made it to the NCAA tournament. That should be For the baseline. A, exactly. Worst case. So it wasn't, it wasn't a great season, but it was an okay season. You know what I mean? So you won 20 games. You went to the tournament. You didn't like, you know, you still had 14 losses that year. And that was like, okay, that's the, that was the baseline, whatever. Now we're moving on to bigger and better things. And then before the COVID pause, you're 24 and seven, you're number 14 in the nation. Now, the last two years, uh, those previous two years with Mac, you had those late season swoons where, you know, you kind of lost a lot more games. But again, you're still I think there were a four or five seed in the ACC tournament, and you look to be a top four seed again in the NCAA tournament. And now, like we don't have that to look forward to, and that that's sad, that's concerning, and then that's frustrating. And then though, Zach, you have you you have these moments in the post game where Coach Payne will say something, and you're just like, what? A case in point, yeah, what's your name? yesterday. Last night with the tights and Tyler. And it's just like you have so many different aspects that you, you could have said. You had so many different um, elements you could have added to your, your postgame presser, but you didn't. And, you know, was it because of his groin injury? Most likely. But you didn't say that. Um, and so the, my three main things with this. So back to the, you know, the, the tights gate or whatever you want to call it. Oh, jeez, yeah. So, like, so, you know, he, he mentioned something. So, A, you don't have to mention it. Or, B, that you do mention it, you need to, you also need to include that he has a groin injury. And then, C, how are we not communicating with the equipment staff to get him what he needs in terms of, like, um, you know, a compression pant or a compression short to help with that? How do you like, not have it why for the whole it, half? That's what I if, – like, if you miss the first couple minutes, that's one thing. You're missing an entire half of basketball. That is a long But how do you time. not have that, though, Zach, two hours or so before the – Right. Why are we not communicating with one another by, hey, I'm going to need this – um, but he de- he didn't specify. So then now you make Tyler look like he's being you know um, you know soft or whatever or yeah. not tough enough, or you act like he's entitled, and that's most likely not the case. And you want if, he, if he's still hurt, then he needs that stuff. You want to answer questions, but unfortunately, based on the way he talks, he just opens it up for more questions rather than solving them. It just. I, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't know. And, and just say it. Just say Karan Davis is going to enter the transfer portal. Yeah. Just, I mean, you know, we what? saw him in the he's stands not, yesterday. Come on. He's not a part of the team. Just you know, move on. And again, that, that's part of the problem. Instead of getting Karan Davis and um, Dilo Jovanovic, like you needed shooters, and you got those two guys instead. Eighty-one fifty ninety-three nine is the number. Todd is up next on the program. What's going on, boss? Hey, guys, how are you? Doing well, man. Hanging in, boss. We're, we're down here in South Florida, Fort Myers, um, and been long-time, long-time Cardinal fans. Uh, my dad is 80 years old and, and uh, been down here forever. Uh, we got got to go see U of L play Kentucky when Samaki was there, and, and the AD, uh, Bill Olson, back then, had us up and sat in Denny Crumb's uh, we sat with his wife at the time and uh, long, long time, go way, way back. And, and this breaks, breaks our heart what's going on with them. Um, 
you know, I mean, we're you're, obviously down here in South Florida, not many Cardinal fans. Uh, we truly are probably the biggest fans down here. Uh, very excited about the uh, football game upcoming. My wife and uh, daughter went to Florida State, but it's going to be a fun game. But, man, you know, I, I guess my question is this. You know, like like the silence from Kenny Payne in the press conferences and the, you know, just or his, his inability to really talk about what's going on. And, 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 you know, we haven't heard from Josh Hurd. And I know that we're in the middle of the season. I know they're not going to come out and say stuff, but – I think that's that's the biggest problem right now is we're not seeing improvements in games. We're not seeing any changes from last year. I think fans just, you know, I, I'm preaching to the choir. I know you guys have been saying it, but there's no improvement. There's nothing. And, and yes, we've won our last two games against teams that, you know, in the last five, six, seven years, we would have beat by 20 um, or maybe even further further than that because we haven't been that really good you know, we, we, my dad and brother and I went to the 2013 National Championship game and sat, sat right at the free throw line and watched Luke Hancock bury those threes at the end of the half. I mean, we, it's just been, and since then, it's been horrible. Um, so, I mean, what, what are your all thoughts on just the silence from the AD and, and you know, uh, I mean, being down here in South Florida, we, we were fortunate enough to come up. This, we, we were at the Notre Dame game this year. We came up. My wife and uh, our two two sons came up, and what an experience that was. But, uh, man, the basketball program is just killing us down here. Yeah, man. Todd, I appreciate it, man. And uh, thanks for representing the cards down there in sunny South Florida. Hopefully, you know, we make it to the Orange Bowl. It's a quick trip for you guys. So, um, yeah, but, but to answer your question, um, I don't have um, a take either way about um, Josh Hurd not really commenting on that, Todd. I think kind of you, you kind of summed it up, too. I mean, I, I feel like with the season ongoing, um, unless, it, unless it unravels, because, you know, with a winning record, uh, you know, I think a lot of it, you know, I'm sure he's not pleased with um, – how the season has unfolded so far, but still, I still think you have to let it play out some more. Um, if, you know, if there's a stretch where like, if you look at the January schedule in the ACC, I mean, yikes, you got Virginia twice, Duke, UNC. Um, if you go like through January and you don't win a game, then I think um, he would need to speak. But I don't think right now um, with the cars being four and three with some more winnable games on there. I mean, I feel like going into 2024, Louisville basketball is going to have a winning record. Now, I think they're going to lose to Virginia Tech. They're going to lose to the team up the road. That could be ugly. Um, Potentially, you could lose at DePaul. But then, Zach, I think, too, you're playing Arkansas State and Pepperdine. Uh Now, it's on the same kind of level playing field as Chattanooga, and Bellarmine and stuff like that. They should be wins, but I don't think you can count them 100%. But, I mean, if you – let's just say you you go 7-5. and five. So, you lose to Virginia Tech. You lose to Kentucky. Oh, I said it. Yeah, swear, th- jar. swear jar. Yeah, I heard you on the first hour. My, my apologies. <laughs> um, so, so, you're 7-5, and five, and you're going into, you know, the calendar year of 2024. You don't have – you have a winning record, but you're not on the NCAA tournament radar. 
your schedule's going to be in the in the 200s. The teams you beat are going to be in the 200 and 300s. Um, I think DePaul right now is like 194 or something in the Ken Palm. So you're not going to have any quality wins. Have we seen anything that would lead us to believe that you can beat a Duke or a UNC or a Virginia? Can you win a conference road game? No. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was watching those other ACC teams, um, outside of a couple disappointing outings, I mean, you know, Pitt didn't look very good. Uh, Virginia Tech has looked pretty mediocre, although they do have a nice win against Iowa State. Um, but you you haven't seen anything that would lead you to believe that Louisville can win a road game in the ACC. No. Not against Boston College, not against uh, Georgia Tech. I mean, they beat number 21 Mississippi State in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So things like that, like the losses are going to come. So I still feel like, and that, this is another thing I push back on. A lot of people were saying, we're not going to win any more than four games this year. The team is better in talent alone. And the non-conference schedule is so watered down that you you should, you know, we're pressing the panic button already. But Zach, if you don't, if you're 500, I'm pressing the panic button again going into 2024 because that means you lost to not only Virginia Tech, the team up the road, but you probably lost to DePaul as well. And you can't be six and seven. I mean, you can't be eight, seven and five. Seven and really. five's not great either. Yeah, that's not yeah. that's putting lipstick on a pig. Like as I mentioned earlier, look, the fact of the matter is, our eyes tell us what our eyes tell us. And yes. the fact that they're four and three, you can talk about improvement all you want. But here's the bottom line: Is it better than last year's team? Yes, yes, it is better than last year's team because the talent alone is better than last year's team. Is it anywhere near good enough? No. Both of those things can be true. They can be better than last year but they're not where it's supposed to be. And, and, I, and I just I don't, don't see understand. how they yeah. I don't see how well, they're said, better than 7 and 5 going into January. Like let's let's just be honest with ourselves. This is a non-conference schedule that if Louisville was typical Louisville, what would your expectations be? Like 10 and 9 and 3 10 worst and, case, 10, 10 and 2? Yeah. Maybe yeah, you drop one two. of the Texas or Indiana games, but you probably win one of them. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And then I uh, know historically you got to say that you got to chalk up the loss of the team up the road. Historically, yeah, because they um, look pretty so, yeah. good this year. Let's just be honest. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're, unfortunately, they're, they're yeah. Really oh, I'd say ten and two. Historically, with Louisville basketball, ten and two. You're gonna lose. You'll split one of the two games in New York. You could be eleven and one, and then you lose to the team up the road. Yeah, yeah. Which nobody then, would would have complained about if that were the case. Yeah, and so, but it, it, you're talking about best case scenario seven and five. That right there is a problem. But like you said, too, it's kind of fool's gold if you look at who the seven wins could be against. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and what's their best what's win? The best case scenario. Yeah. What would their best uh, win be? They were talking about yesterday that Bellarmine was the most talented or the best team that they've played this year. Um, I would have probably Pepperdine, and they're 170 ish. Yeah. And so, like, you're not moving the NCAA tournament needle. That's my nope. point. And so then, if you're 7-5 and five going into ACC play, there's 19 more games you're going to play. What is the best you're going to do there? 7-12? and 12? Well, that means you're 14-19. and 19. That's not good enough. That's not. That's, no. You know, you're that's still playing probably the first day of the ACC tournament, or yeah. bare minimum the second day, yeah. which is not yeah. good enough. Yeah, and and again, like uh, you, you're 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 gonna miss me with um you know if you win thirteen or fourteen games, I don't think that's gonna be the number. Like if you win fourteen games, I'm not listening to well, it was a ten game improvement. No, 
begin with, period. The same thing that I said about New Mexico State. You shouldn't have been down eight points to begin with to force an overtime. You shouldn't have been in that situation to begin with. So that's where I am. And, again, people are going to have differing opinions, and that's fine. But when you have fans talk about heartbreak, when you have fans talk about, uh, you know, it's sad that generations are missing out on Louisville basketball, when you tune into a Louisville basketball game and you have four or 5,000 people in a 22,000-seat arena, that is sad. And that. Can't be true. You're better than last year's team, but you could still say, eh, I don't know about the improvement aspect because uh, th- there is improvement in terms of recruiting because you brought in the talent, but you're seeing the same mistakes. You're seeing the, si- the same style of play. You're seeing no offensive or defensive identity. why um, that's why it's so frustrating um and then and that's why you know it's sad too like people are mad people are angry but it's sad and there isn't an obvious thing to look forward to like they don't have a big time recruiting class coming in they're not in on the top guys they don't have a bunch of young guys that you immediately say these are talented guys that are going to take their game to the next level it's the lack of hope i think that's the problem not as much as the on-court product it's the lack of long-term hope because there isn't an easy answer and I'm not even sure if you know if you go on and just fire Kenny Payne I don't know if that solves everything because there's a lot more problems Kenny Payne is a big part of the problem but I'm not sure that just firing him is the end of those problems yeah and so and then you know and then you know there's there's people clamoring for him to be fired in the in the middle of the season I mean uh well you know we'll see what happens there I still feel like he the entire season will play out before Josh Hurd has to make a decision. But if they have a losing season, it's not a hard decision. the the fan, The fans are speaking uh, with the empty seats. Um, the product speaks for itself. Is it better than last year? Yes. Are the players better? Yes. But are we still saying the same things as last year? Yes. Is there any hope? No. Now that can change. You beat Virginia Tech. You win these, all these games up until the team up the road. Maybe you generate a little bit of momentum. But still, you're only having one. That would only mean one quality win out of those remaining December games. Because I'm sure we're not counting the team up the road as a win at all, or even a possibility. Uh, but, yeah, the end of the day, you want that narrative to change, then these teams, you're going to have to start winning a bunch of games. And that means winning road games and beating really good teams in the ACC. So far, we haven't seen that. All right, Zach, quick uh, prediction for the uh, ACC championship. I got to go with the Knowles. I think it's a close game, but I'm going to go 23-20 Florida State. I just think Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, I think that's going to be a lot to overcome. Yeah, I'm with you. I say 24-21 Florida State as well. hope I'm wrong. But regardless of what happens, I hope we go to South Beach in the Orange Bowl. I'm certainly, I don't need an excuse to go to South Florida in December. That would be my excuse. We're looking forward to it. Everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, this bad boy will be podcasted here shortly. And until next time, go Cards! Beat the Knowles. Looking for a rewarding career? One that empowers you to serve your community, change lives, and reach your fullest potential? 
Become a correctional officer for the Kentucky Department of Corrections and earn up to $28.30 an hour with great benefits. Help create a better, safer Kentucky. Apply today for a correctional officer position in your community at careers.ky.gov. That's careers.ky.gov. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. Looking for extra cash this holiday season? You can make competitive pay as a day shift warehouse worker at UPS Worldport right here in Louisville. Learn more and apply today at upsjobsky.com. That's upsjobsky.com. 